Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Give me a little stronger response. I can feel better about it. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, some of you need to speak that faith back into your heart right about now. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on online. I can hear you too. Let's go for it. We got microphones in your home. You know technology. We know exactly what's happening. We're watching you. How many kind of realize that that might be truer than what I'm saying? Wow, what an amazing worship time. We'll welcome everyone here and online. And uh, I was just uh, uh, stirred by the, the words through the worship uh, time where Jonathan was saying that, you know, God is, uh, is so unintimidated about what's happening. How many bear witness with that? You know, just to, to, we got to just remind ourselves sometimes uh, his perspective is so different, and he wants us to have that same perspective. See, that's the thing. I can say he has it, but it's greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so he's trying to stir that up in us so that we might be able to not only walk it out, but communicate it out. And, and when he was talking about revival being in the air, man, that is so true. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance. I heard you as loud as I did those online. How many know that revival really is in the air? Yeah. I mean, if we don't realize that, we haven't read our Bible for a while. Because the Bible's already said that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory. Right? Come on. It's going to cover the earth. And, and, and we've got to become uh, like Elijah on the hill where he sent his servant out and said, hey, go see if that rain's coming. And the servant came back and said, there's nothing. He said, well, then go back again. And, and, and go back again. And he kept sending them back. I think the Lord is just going to send you back till you see it. And then you begin to call it forth uh, into, into the earth. Be, it, it, just as, as it was said by <coughs> Lauren that, you know, the throne is here. The kingdom is here. Because he put the kingdom in you, the Bible says. And so it, it's here. And, and we're not to look out somewhere else. And it's here. And, and I, I just think that that's, that's beginning to wake up the believers, and we're starting to wake up to that fact. And then the whole idea of, you know, just uh, he's better than you think. He's better than you think. So I don't know what you think about him right now, but he's better than that. He's better than that. He's bigger than that. He's greater than that. And then, and then it talked about the, the rewiring. The rewiring, and, and if I'm not catching it, then I probably need to be rewired. I, I need to let it settle in. Sometimes we can wait for something to be done that's already done, and we just sit and wait for it instead of uh, having the Holy Spirit stir something in us that awakens us so that when we do wake up each day, what do we see? We see the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and we begin to get excited about that. Why, why are so many uh, believers down in the dumps? We have no reason to be, right? According to the, the word, we have no reason to be. And I, I, I picked up this book. I haven't really read it yet, but Jeremiah Johnston, most of you have heard of him. He's, he's a good writer. The title of the book is Unimaginable. And it says, what our world would be like without Christianity? And I'm thinking, man, that is so true. We just don't realize that if we're actually salt and light, then if we were all removed, do you know what chaos would really break out? Because chaos really breaks out in the night. I mean, this is an amazing thought. And I'm not sure if the kids need to be released or who needs to be released, but if you need to be released and you realize that, go ahead and be released. But we don't understand how much light we actually are. And because of that, we kind of just act as if we're not really light. 
And I want to just talk about a topic this morning. I don't know how it's going to go, but we're, going to about, to, we're about to find out. Last week, we talked about how to stand in chaos. This week, I'd like to talk about, or the title of it would be, how do we trust in chaos? Not trust in chaos, but how do we trust in chaos? How do we trust in chaos? And I, I think it's, it's, it's an appropriate time for us to really take a hold of this and really receive this and, and really let the word challenge you this morning to a new level of trusting in God. And that's what we really need. I think we, it, it, it's easy to get in the sway of everything. You know, it all started only a year ago. And everything started falling and crumbling, and we kind of probably just thought it was going to pass by, or we thought, you know, somebody will come up with a solution for this thing, and, and it's going to be gone, and then March left, and then, uh, you know, what's after March? February, January, March, April came. <clears throat> April came. With that one, I didn't know whether I was on earth or heaven, you see, and there's no calendar up there, so I got mixed up. But you know, the months started passing, and we were just kind of in this place where we were kind of, now we're wondering what, what in the world's really going on, and now things are really getting bad. And we're maybe thinking that possibly the police are going to take care of it for us, but then they decided they should defund the police. So now we're really worried that something's going to go, go amiss. And then we head into the election, and boy, does that begin to get messy. And, 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 and we're seeing all of this uh, rhetoric uh, running just everywhere. And we're like, what do we believe and what do we not believe? And who do we believe and who do we not believe? And some are easier to believe than others. And, and some people that you would think would believe the others believe the other. And then the confusion began to settle in, and then the, 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 the division began to happen, which is really this, the enemy's greatest desire. If he could divide the body of Christ, he would have succeeded in what he's trying to do. He doesn't care who's president. The president does not threaten Satan. He really doesn't. The only thing that threatens Satan is you, the kingdom of God, his church. Remember, because he said the gates of hell were not going to prevail against it. And so there's the threat for him. So he's not worried about who gets in. And, and I was just thinking about it, you know, when you, when you look at like the Communist Manifesto and, and the different socialist idea and concept, and, and, you know, we wonder why is everything focused on the United States right now? Well, it's just for two reasons. The, the first reason is our Constitution stops, uh, stops socialism and Marxism. The second thing that they're concerned about, and they state in their documents and their manifesto, is the church is stopping them. And that's the force to be reckoned with. But the church needs to come together in unity. We've got to get up to a place where we're truly believing God, and we're truly believing that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as the church steps out, and as the church goes to fulfill the purposes of God on earth, the only thing that will help this earth is the church. And we just need to be more assured of that. And we need to also be assured that we know that we are the church. You and I, you're the church. And so that we're the ones that are going to make a difference on this planet for people. And every time you see in the scriptures, every time you see in the word of God, what we see is when the church steps back, falls back, gets entangled with the world or the culture or the, the neighborhood, that that's when things begin to get more chaotic. And then when they start responding to God's call, all of a sudden, God's released to do what? To do the purposes of God. And I think we're kind of in that place right now. The church is trying to decide who we are. So there's a little bit of division because of that. We all recognize that. There's some, there's some uh, doctrines of demons, the Bible calls them, that are out there permeating some churches. And, and we have to be established on the absolute truth of this word. 
And what's amazing is some of those doctrines of demons are so clear in Scripture that that's what they are, that it's amazing to think that they could even believe that. A believer could even fall into that. But yet the Bible also warns us about that, doesn't it? It says in the, in the last days there will be many that fall away. You don't fall away if you didn't fall in. If you're not in, you can't fall away. So he's talking about the believers. He's talking about the church. And he's, he's now trying to, to, to blow the trumpet in Zion, so to say, to call his church to attention so that we don't miss the day of visitation. We don't miss our opportunity to meet and serve him and do his will. And that's what we're in danger in. Uh, and we have to understand one thing, but without fear. The enemy's very tricky. He's very dangerous. He's very deceiving. And the Bible says that he's the father of lies. And so if I just sit back and think that that's no big deal, then I'm foolish, as foolish as the rest. But if I can catch those thoughts and I can let those permeate inside of me, I can begin to read the word and let it do something inside of me. I wonder sometimes if we, it's if, if because of how we think and how we process things and how we've learned to process things on our own, that that's not maybe the challenge with us really believing what the word says. We can just read right over it and it kind of just floats right over our heads and we're like, Okay, yeah, I read that. Oh, yeah I, yeah, I know that verse. Oh, yeah, I heard that verse. I heard that the church was supposed to be victorious and that the gates of hell weren't, weren't going to prevail against it. But yet I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Why? Because it's not looking like it. Because if all I see is what I see, I'm not seeing everything I need to see. I'm not sure. And so, so we have to be very careful. We have to be in tune with the Lord. We have to walk, I believe, and this is what I want to talk about for just a couple minutes this morning. Uh, we have to be able to trust God. And if I really trust Him, then my life will look different than what it does today, probably. And I hope that that's where we can go. There's three words that kind of relate together in the scriptures uh, concerning this, and one of them would be trust, the second one would be believe. And the third one would be faith. And they all seem to be interchangeable, sometimes with a little different meaning, but they're all interchangeable. So we have trust, we have believe, and we have faith. All three of these are important, especially if you remember the words of Jesus, where he said, when I come back to the earth, will I find what? Faith. Well, so he's looking for it. He's looking for it. And so I'll either, I'll either have it and he'll find it or I won't and he won't. And I will sit back as a believer, frustrated, find a, a way to be peaceful about it all and, and just live my life out. Or I will be positioned with total trust, total faith, total believing and be ready for whatever he has in store for my life. And not everybody fulfills what God has for them in their life because they just give up sometimes. They just give in. They just throw in the towel. They get weary, the Bible says, of well-doing or they lose faith and, uh, in, in the process. And so let's just pray and then we're going to shoot through a few scriptures and, uh, and I just believe God's going to open something up to us this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the word of faith that we have in our hands I pray, Father, today that the eyes of our understanding would be open like never before. I pray, God, that the blocks and the strongholds and the things that God have wedged their way into my mind would be removed in Jesus' name and all of us, God, and that we would have a clear ability to see in this word this morning and let it have the, the drilling, explosive impact that it should have. And I thank you for the word of faith this morning in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So how do we do that? How do we have trust and how do we believe and how do we have faith? To trust is this, it is to place your complete confidence only in God. To place your con complete confidence only in God. Now this is important because what we see throughout Israel's history and, and the people of God's history, what we see is that they go along pretty well and then before you know it, they're starting to get along and hook up with other gods in the world, whatever those gods were. 
And God has to reel them back in. And it often is stated, hey, the Lord your God is one God. There's only one God. There's not two gods. There's not three gods. There's one true God. And you've got to put your whole complete trust in one God only. And I'm hearing as I'm listening and I'm hearing around, I'm seeing that people are speaking as if there's more than one God. And, 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 and that's it's some of the theology that's floating around. And so I feel it's important for us to know to trust is to place my complete confidence only in God. How do I do that? How do I trust him? How do I really let this happen? Well, James addresses the issue for us so that we can have kind of a backdoor uh, into this. And listen to this, and it's, a, it's very familiar, but it's important. 1.6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. If, uh, I, you don't see it a lot here because it's a lot of small lakes and stuff. But I remember in, the, in, in California, if you'd go out on the ocean and the wind would begin to blow, man, things got really rocky. Or even on some larger lakes, you could experience it. And before you know it, the waters are choppy, the, the boat's flopping all over the place. And this is what he's saying. If I doubt, it's, it's, it's like a, a, the wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, for the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He that is double-minded is unstable in all of his ways. And a double-minded person is a person that thinks Spiritual one minute and soulless the next. Spirit one minute and the next minute it's soulless. And if you remember Peter's conversation with Jesus, one minute he's recognizing, oh, you're the Christ. This is amazing. And God is so, Jesus was so impressed, he said, we're going to build the church on that. And the next thing you know, Jesus is rebuking him because of his thoughts were not from him. And this is what he's saying. You're one minute here, you're one minute there. And you're, you're here one day and you're here the next. One day you're excited, you're stirred up, you're pumped. People know that there's something alive inside of you. And the next day the, you're just part of the rest of them. And you're just down in the dumps and you're, up, you know, you're just like a, a roller coaster. And I understand that it's not easy to not be there. But I just want to say that it is possible to not stay there. In other words, this means I need to deal with my doubts, my questions, my fears, and my suspicions, and completely trust in God. Now, just, just take a second and just think about your own life right now, where you're at today. You know, what doubts or fears or suspicions are settled inside of you to where you're, you know, you're kind of believing one thing, but then... At another minute, you're sitting there thinking maybe or pondering, and pretty soon you're worrying, and pretty soon your thoughts are going over here, well, what if this happens, or what if this doesn't happen? And, 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 you, and, and through that, all of a sudden, you begin to feel the sense of, really, depression. You feel the sense of hopelessness. You begin to lose sight of the true vision that God has actually birthed inside of you. And, and, and then you wonder what's wrong. And sometimes we might spend a day there. Maybe we might spend a week there. Some people spend months there. Some people spend years there. I, I spoke to somebody recently that uh, the husband went through uh, YWAM and, and the whole training thing and was excited about the ministry. And I said, so what are you doing now? She has nothing. He won't even go to church. Something went wrong. Something can go wrong. But we have to keep our trust in God. And, and, and we have to be careful with this whole aspect of doubt. When all we hear doubts, we're going to end up in the doubt pile. And that's not the faith pile. That's not the trust. That's not the believing pile. And, and you know you're going to see things that don't look like they should be like they should be. But as a believer, when we begin to see what more than what we can see, then we'll see what's really happening. And then we'll be able to engage into that and be able to step into that and begin to make a difference. We're all going to hear doubts, but we don't have to have doubts. 
We're all going to hear doubts, but we don't have to have doubts. I think they used to say, you know, you might not be able to stop the birds from flying over the top of your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest on your head. In other words, your your doubts are in the air, right? Because that's where the principalities and the powers live. And his only resource and strength is thoughts. He has no power. Remember, he was stripped of that at the cross. But he has this amazing ability to create doubt and fear and so forth. But we can change that. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says this concerning trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's verse, verse 5. And, and, and it means trust is just to acknowledge God is in everything. And, and, and in verse 6 it says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your uh, straight your paths. I think, wow, he's calling us to attention here. If I acknowledge him, if I'm trusting him and acknowledging him, he's going to make my path straight. In other words, I'm not going to be in confusion. I'm not going to be in doubt. I'm going to be able to run the race. I'm going to be able to go forward following him. Acknowledging God means that I'm knowing and seeing God in all that I face in life, uh, and this just doesn't mean an intellectual assent, but it's an actual perceiving his character and will in every moment of my life. In other words, I'm aware of his closeness and his involvement in all of life. It's no longer a theory to me. So in other words, how am I, how am I experiencing God? We said that at the very beginning of the year. We're going we're to really get into the place where we're experiencing God. And I think now it's, it's becoming more critical than ever. How, is, how, is he, how are you experiencing him in your daily life? Because remember, and I believe you would know this, but everything that happens, everything that happens will strengthen and build your faith or it will strengthen and build your doubt. And so whatever you're going through, he's going to use that to take you further into his full plan and purpose for your life. So if I ignore all that, then I'm going to end up in, in, in the doubt section of, of life. And uh, again, I may not give up on God altogether. I may still go to church, but yet it's, it's, it's not about going to church. He's building this church. Just like in the Old Testament, you know what they said? All who say they're Israel are not really Israel. And, and it, says, it can be said that today. All who say they're the church are not the church today. And, and, and so we have to understand that, and we have to make sure that we're connecting to him properly. And, and if you're connected to him properly, how, do you, how many know you're going to have at least a little bit of excitement in your day? He's an exciting person to follow. He, he never does stuff simple. He always does it powerful. He's always looking for an opportunity of a miracle. And, 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 and so we, we have that, this opportunity to be with him. And, and, and so it's important to understand what I'm saying is when I'm saying perceiving him every day, how much of a part of your life is he really? How much are you hearing him? How much is he leading you? How much when you get into a circumstance or a situation that, that, uh, that you just really don't know what to do, you're calling on him? How, how much are you really depending and, and, and relying and really following him? And I just can't forget that he told all of his disciples, that's the first thing he said, would you just follow me? And that literally was really the proof of their commitment to him. And I, I wonder that that's not really true today too. Follow me. Well, if you're following him, you'll know that you're following him. And, and, and it doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to understand everything that's happening around me. How many know sometimes you just don't? You see stuff, you question stuff, you wonder, you think, <laughs> you think, even think sometimes, God, if I were you, I'd do that a lot different. And, and, and so forth. But that's okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something much deeper. Listen to Isaiah 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's why we're called to do what? Set our affections on the things above. He said you're seated in heavenly places. 
And we're going to look at that down the road here in a few weeks, because uh, I, I think it's exciting when you begin to realize the, 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 the seat that you have, the prime seat that you have and can have. But this is what he says, I don't expect God to answer all my questions. I don't expect him to do everything I say. I don't expect to get everything that he does. And I don't expect to understand how he handles things. But what I do know and understand, and we've gone through the names of God over the last number of weeks, is that he's higher than me. He's the creator. He knows everything. And whatever he chooses to allow to happen, I can trust in him. And I need to trust in him because I'm growing in that. So how do you respond to life as it plays out before you? When you stop yourself and stop and think about life, and uh, hopefully you do at some point, how do you respond to all of that? I mean, when I look around and I see things the way they are, I tell you what, if I stopped by just seeing the way things are, are I would be so disappointed and so discouraged, wouldn't you? If that, you know, even Paul said, hey, if this, if this life is your only hope, <laughs> you are going to be most miserable. <clears throat> how right he was. Now, how do you do that? You know, do you really trust that he is in control and he does have a big master plan that he's working that nobody's big enough to change? Or am I like Habakkuk? If you read the book of Habakkuk, it's a short book. You'll find the first four verses, he's asking God, why in the world is all this stuff happening? Why are you letting this happen? Why? And, and then God you know, gives him a little response but, and talks to him a little bit about it. And he's talking to God about it. And by the end of the book, the last four verses of Habakkuk, he, he says this. He says, listen, <laughs> this is what I've come to learn through this. Though the fig tree does not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I trust, trust in the Lord. And so he pulls himself all the way through it because he had a relationship with the Father. He wasn't afraid to ask him the hard questions and to talk plain with him. Somebody asked me the other day, can I just tell God exactly how I feel? <laughs> I said, surprise, he already knows, but yeah, you can repeat it. He wants to have a conversation with you. And if you're frustrated, please talk to him about it. Remember, we talked about this a number of weeks ago uh, about David's life. The whole book of Psalms is an open, uh, it's, a, it's a written copy of one man's relationship, a man after God's own heart, a relationship with his father. And he complained a little bit. All right, he complained a lot. But I love the fact that whenever he complains, he would always get to the end and he'd do just what Habakkuk said. But yet, you know something, God? As hard as it is, I'm going to put my trust back in you. And see, that's what we've got to do today. As you look around and you see what's happening, now how are you putting your trust back in him? And it is a repeated effort, I find. And so we, 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 we learn to begin to trust the Father. We have this believing unique relationship that every believer can walk in. And so I thought, okay, so what's the, you know, I think we all are familiar with Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? Okay, emphasis is not necessarily the word there, but it's by the hearing. That I'm hearing what it's, he's saying. And, and, and so I, I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, uh, if I am really going to trust God and I'm really going to have that kind of a relationship with him, I have to have an absolute trust that this is his absolute word. I, there's no doubt in my mind that this is his word because my relationship with him, for the most part, is going to start and grow right out of this word. And oftentimes you say, well, I'm, I don't know why I'm struggling. Well, how, how much are you in his word? And if you say, well, that's no, just too hard for me to do that. Or I read my one verse that they send me every day and, you know, on my phone. I mean, I do that every time. But if I'm struggling with my faith, then I'm not in this word. Because this is a living book. And the scriptures say, Romans 10, 17 tells us by, <laughs> I mean, it's just pretty point blank. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. 
And he's talking about the rhema word of God. So as I read it, it's coming alive to me. It's speaking to me. And if it's not, then I have to re-evaluate how I'm reading it. I need to find out somebody that reads it properly and ask them how they do it. And it's important for me, excuse me, one of those frogs out of the book of Revelation tried to get in there. I have to step up to the plate to realize it's the living word. The Bible says it's God-breathed, and it's inspired. So in other words, it will speak to me. It's not like any other book on this planet. And when I realize that, then all of a sudden I'll realize, man, I have the relationship really close. I have something because God's speaking to me. He's illuminating it to me. He's inspiring it back to me. He's really making it alive. He's really wanting to strengthen my faith and grow my faith and and build my faith. As a matter of fact, Matthew 24 and verse 35 says this here, heaven and earth will pass away but my word will by no means pass away. Why? Because it's the living word. It's, it's him. <laughs> it's said twice. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. It's, it's, in other words, you find me there. And if you seek me with all of your heart, you'll be found of me. Well, where am I going to seek? What's the best place that I could possibly seek? Right here. And he begins to come alive with us, and, 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 and all of a sudden now my faith and my, my trust and my ability to believe him begins to come alive inside of me, and, 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 and it begins to change my relationship with him in a fresh way to where all of a sudden now, man, we are really friends. I'm really walking with him. I really hear him when he speaks to me. I hear him when he puts my, word, my name in here. I hear him when he's beginning to direct me and order my steps and get me where he wants me to do and, and protect me and cover me and, and, and so forth. I'm hearing him. He's alive to me. And it's just like all of a sudden it begins to come alive, God. Now I'm beginning to trust you again. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a challenge maybe right now, but I'm stepping into your word. I'm going to find out what you have to say about this. Psalms 31 and, and verse 5, it says, Into thine hand I, I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Into your hands I commit myself. I'm, I'm entrusting myself, as another translation would say it. I'm entrusting myself. And this is a prophetic word about Jesus. Remember, Jesus said at the cross, God, Father, I entrust my, I entrust my spirit to you. So he had to completely give his trust to the Father. And I think, how much more is he calling you and I to do this? A connected relationship with God is at all possible. Trust reveals our relationship to God. Hebrews chapter 11, 6, without faith or trust or believing, it's impossible to believe or to, to please the Father. Let me just give you a, a few scriptures. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 5, they'll be up on the screen here. So the people of Nineveh, what? They believed God. Here's that word. It's a, it's a Hebrew word here, and, it, and it's a, a man. A-M-A-N is the Hebrew word, and it means this here, to stand firm, to trust, and to be certain. I know and I know her that even though it looks like that, that it's going to turn out like this. I know this. I know this. And nothing's going to make me waver. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. What says the scriptures? 
Abraham what? Believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Galatians 3, 6, even again, I love it, three times he's, Abraham's mentioned, and it's all the same category. Even as Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for his righteousness, and he was called what? The friend of God. I'm thinking, God, I want to be that. I really want to be that. I want to be known as your friend. I don't want to run through this thing as, as some foreigner or some you know, person on the outside. I'm your son. And I want to be your friend too, God. I want to have that happening inside of it. And when you could just go, it's easy just to get a little religious about God, you know, and put him up here and yet he's right here as a father. I mean, that's the most used term in the scripture for the name of God is father. And, and, and he's trying to get us back to that place. Why? So we'll come close and we'll hear what he has to say and we'll learn of his wisdom and we'll learn of his ways and we'll learn of everything he has in mind and what he's going to do. And he says, I'm going to tell the prophets. And I believe the whole church is to be a prophet, prophetic. I'm going to tell the prophets what's going to happen. You're not going to walk in darkness. Even though it's dark out, you're not going to walk in darkness. But see, I have to get into this place. I have to position myself as a friend. I've got to learn to trust him. And, 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 and again, I think today I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that uh, there'll be kind of a reset in your mind. You know, it's been a long year. It's been a long year. And this long year isn't over. I love the thing of the Kermit the Frog, you know, you got him laying down like this, you know. And he says, I refuse to set my clock back on Sunday because I cannot handle one more hour of 2020. <laughs> I just love it. And this is the truth, you know. And we, we have to realize this isn't over. And when this is done, the next one's going to start. Come on, doesn't he say that it's like a birth pain toward the end? Don't they just come a little bit quicker, a little bit quicker, a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger, a little bit harder? If you're not equipped now for today's, you'll never make it tomorrow. And so let's make sure we're being equipped with faith, believing, trust is a biggie. God, I trust you. The words of, a, uh, of one trapeze artist. I'll just listen to this story as he writes it. The secret of the flyer, there's a flyer and there's a catcher in a, in a, in a tra trapeze unit. We had a, I think we had a picture up there, maybe not. I'm sure you can all envision it. As a flyer, I must have complete trust or confidence in my catcher. The public might think that I'm the great star of the trapeze, but the real star is my catcher. He has to be there for me with split-second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. The secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly, I simply stretch out my arms and hands and then I wait for him to catch me and pull me to safety over the apron of the catch bar. The worst thing the flyer can do is to try to catch the catcher. I am supposed, I'm not supposed to catch him. It's his task to catch me. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. And you can envision what I'm saying. If he tries to manipulate this, it's going to mess the process up. He's not going to make a connect. He's supposed to just put it out there. And, 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 and so <clears throat> looking at it from a spiritual perspective, always seeing something spiritual and everything natural, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I mean, Jesus on the cross was trusting the Father at that moment with his entire being. Oh, if we could just understand how human he made himself for us. To know that this was not just, oh, this easy little thing. But he had to do what he's asking us to do. He has to put every bit of trust that he could possibly put into this. 
Jesus knew who the catcher was and trusted him completely. The question is, do we trust the catcher completely with our lives? Do we live life with outstretched arms, knowing that our God will be there to catch us before we fall? During difficult times, I hear people say, I'm barely hanging on, or I feel like I am hanging on by a thread. In fact, I have said it myself at times. Listen to this. I believe God is not looking for us to hang on to him. In fact, it is the opposite. He is hanging on to us. He's hanging on to us. And a sure way to fall or fail is to believe that it is our responsibility to grab God and hang on. We need to learn to live life with outstretched arms so that God can grab us before we fall. See, our dependence is not on what we can do. It makes it all the more critical for you and I to begin to see what God's doing and really uh, put our hands up, man. When I'm, I just, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. Just catch me, you know. Uh, and, and he always will if we're in that place. And I just thought it was a beautiful illustration of how we walk with God and how we can learn to trust him. Because sometimes we try to grunt faith. <laughs> you know, you just can't, you can't grunt faith. You grunt too hard, you wish you didn't. You can't grunt faith through. But remember what he said in Romans. Faith comes by, in Africa they say, earing. Right, South Africa? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And it's talking about not just the written word. It's talking about the written word speaking to you. The rhema word. It's a lot different. And we've got to get to this place now where we're really beginning to trust God like never before. There is revival in the air. There is revival in the air. And many don't see it. And, 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 and we need to see it. How many can say amen to that? We need to see it. If we don't, we don't think that God is who he is. We don't think that what he said is going to be true. So let me just throw out four points for you real quick here, and we'll wrap it up this morning. Um, a little bit of music background would be sweet. Number one, I have to make sure that my trust in God's power outweighs my fear of Satan's power. Now, that might sound simple to you, but it is critical Psalms 56 and verse 3 and 11 says, but when I am afraid, okay, that means I'm feeling the presence of the wicked one in a strong way. And I'm going to trust that some of you have. You've just been at a point where just fear just kind of, as it says, spirit of fear just drops all over you, and all of a sudden, man, you're panicking. And this is what he's saying. But when I'm afraid, I will put my what? trust in you. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? <laughs> what a powerful word. Now, we can trust in him, and it's important for us to do that. John 14, 1, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, what's he calling us to? You know, we, we overcome fear uh, and, and, and we, 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 uh, of Satan's power. And again, because we don't underestimate it, but we trust in God more than him. Number two, make sure that your trust in God is greater than your trust in man. Make sure your trust in God is greater than your trust in man. I love this. Uh, it used to be a song we, we used to sing years ago. I don't even know if they sing it anymore, but it was some trust in chariots and some in horses, and we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. We probably just need to get a revised version of that. It is powerful, you know. Some are going to trust over there, but we're not going to. We're going to trust what? And I like it. It's in the, the name. We talked about the name. <clears throat> that means I can't listen to a lot of stuff that I've probably been listening to. 
That means I probably have to cut back on the words of man and the thoughts of man and the, and the, the opinions of man and the focus of man and get back to what does God say? What does God say? The third thing is that I need to make sure that I don't miscalculate my own abilities. I don't miscalculate my own abilities. And, and this one here is, in a sense, it's easy for me to uh, begin to lean on my own strengths or on my own wisdom, maybe. All of a sudden, I think I'm pretty smart. I think I'm smarter than the rest of you. And I think I got this thing figured out. And, you know, all that does is it just pulls us away from really trusting him, doesn't it? It just makes me start thinking that I know all the answers. When, in fact, his thoughts are not your thoughts. And any time you decide that you have enough, that's when you begin to miss it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Every one of you probably know in this room what that says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then he warns us, don't lean to your own understanding. He wouldn't have put that in there if that wasn't a possibility. He put it there because it was a great possibility. Because you're made so fearfully and wonderfully. That you have this ability to figure so much out. But I just want to tell you, now's not the time for you to be leaning on that. It's time for us to lean on trusting in the Lord. Seek his will in all that you do, and what? He will show you the path to take. How awesome is that? But I got to do something, man. I got to make sure I'm not leaning over here. And then the fourth thing and the last thing that I just wrap up with is make sure that you, your trust in God is constant. Is constant. If you're finding yourself trusting one minute and not the next, trusting one day and then being totally untrusting the next. This is what he's trying to address. Is it's, not, it's not healthy for you to do that. It's not healthy for you to do that. Up, down, up, down. Trust, doubt. Trust, doubt. Trust, doubt. But you don't know my circumstances. Trust, doubt. But you don't know my life. Trust, doubt. What am I going to do? And here's what he says, trust in the Lord always. <laughs> For the Lord God is the eternal rock. And then Psalms says it this way, I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. I've trusted in him and I just didn't waver. If you're finding yourself wavering... If you're finding yourself uh, challenged in your faith, challenged in, uh, you know, well, Paul said it this way from prison, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I just want you to rejoice. And it's one thing to acknowledge, oh, this is a dire situation. And I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily feel joy in that situation. But that's to give you a heart and a burden for it, but not for you to stay there. That's when you got to turn around and say, God, I'm going to rejoice and trust in you. It looks horrible. It looks like I don't understand it. I don't get it. And what, you know, how is any good thing going to come out of it? But just keep in mind your ways are not his, and he knows more than you. And he probably wants to use you at that moment to inject life into that situation. And that's what I think he's calling his church to do is inject life and light into this dark, dying, fearful world out there. But if we're recoiled back... We have no relationship with him. I'm not trusting him for a good outcome in life. Then, man, I'm, gonna, that's all, I'm never going to give anything else away. That's, what I, that's all I have, Lord. That's all I have. I, just, I can just make it myself today. I'm going to survive today without, you know, cursing you. He doesn't want that. He has so much more for you. He has so much more for me. Would you stand to your feet? Make sure your trust for him is constant. I really felt like he wanted to impart something this morning. I can't grunt for faith. I can't work for faith. I can't buy faith. I, but, but, but he gives it freely. Matter of fact, he says he's already given it to you. 
And so whatever's stopping that from growing, and faith does grow, then he wants to just cut that off today so that we can see, you know, a, a great harvest of faith in our own hearts. Because let me just tell you, the world is looking for it like never before. And by the end of this year, the world's going to be begging for answers. And the church should be ready to give those answers. Come on. Come on. The church should have the glory of God over bubbling out of them in such a degree that people look at you and say, man, it's so horrible out there. Why are you so peaceful? Why have you got the joy that you have? What in the world's wrong with you? And you'll be able to tell them what's right with you. But we just need to receive it this morning. So would you just maybe close your eyes and online there, just close your eyes and let's ask the Holy Spirit to take these few words this morning and just drive them home, God. I just there's, there's strongholds that need to be broken. There's wrong thoughts that have been built up. There's fears that have crept in. It's a spirit, spirit of fear. There's, there's doubts that have crept in, and God wants to deal with those. Father, I thank you this morning that uh, you told us that with you, nothing is too difficult. And I speak that over everyone that's watching online, everyone in this room, God. I speak the word of freedom from those doubts and fears and concerns, wrong concerns and, and so forth, Father, today. And I pray a release of faith to break forth in all of our hearts, break it forth in mine like never before, God. I want to be a person of faith. You, you're looking for faith, and God, we can have faith because you given it to us, and you want to take the faith that you've given us, and you want to germinate it, you want it to grow and explode for the need that's around us in this day and this hour, Lord needs great faith. God, we come again to you, and we call out to you, Father, because you're a good, good dad, and you will answer. And again, Lord, just break strongholds and religious mindsets and break, uh, uh, I just almost, it's like there's a tiredness that's come upon you and you, 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 you literally feel a physical tiredness and it's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing, and God wants to break that off of you today. The Bible says that uh, you will run and not be weary. You walk and you won't faint. But you, those that wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. And so, God, today I break the stronghold of tiredness and the lie that comes with it. And I pray that you would release a fervency and a fire in the heart of your people like the world's never seen before. And, Father, I'm a candidate of that. Just if you're a candidate, lift your hands right now. I'm a candidate for that today, God. I want that in me, God. And I ask you, Lord God, just release it in Jesus my name in each and every one of us. Let revival begin to break out of our systems <laughs> the way it was meant to be. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And God, we thank you for your goodness over us. In the name of Jesus Christ and everybody that believes that said a good hearty amen, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Yes.